0: and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol, zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code TODINEFOR to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is ice cream maker and champion for following your dream, Jenny Britton Bauer. Every one of us is so unique, but we bring our whole selves to the table, and then together we make something greater than some of its parts. You may think you know her, but Jenny is the household name behind your favorite ice cream shop, Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. That's right, Jenny is the founder and chief creative officer of the famous dessert company that kicked off the artisanal ice cream movement. Jenny's ice cream is adored for its ingredient-driven, flavorful ice cream with recipes crafted and tweaked to perfection. It's something that Jenny has been working on for decades, even before she founded Jenny's in 2002. Today, Jenny's has almost 50 storefronts and countless retail distributors nationwide. She's written two cookbooks, The Bibles of Ice Cream Making. Her work has won her a coveted James Beard Award and a Henry Crown Fellowship. Jenny puts her heart into her work, and boy does it show. Today, we talk about the roots of creativity and what happens after years of success when sometimes you hit a wall. Jenny reveals how she found herself broken recently and how she was able to restore her spirit. Please enjoy my very special interview with Jenny Britton-Bauer. Jenny, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks for doing this. I'm so excited. Yeah, so much fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I love your um, hat, Ice Cream Maven.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) I have little hats made for me with whatever phrase, you know, of the day that I feel like or whatever. Uh, Wall Street Journal, I think, or Washington Post called me an ice cream maven one time. So I was, so I was like, <laughs> I got to get a hat commemorating now. So.
0: Ice cream maven is a very good title. Yes, right? It really is. I, you know, the funny thing is,
1: too. I always thought Maven was a feminine descriptor, but apparently it's not. Anybody can be a Maven. For some reason it doesn't it just sounds like a It
0: sounds female, female? but you're right. It's, it the Maven is someone who knows what they're talking about. That's what I think of when I yeah, think of Maven. Exactly.
1: I'm I'm going to start calling all the guys I know Maven. <laughs> just it just doesn't like it's yeah, so funny. Anyway,
0: thank you so much for doing this and and great to see you on this morning. Thank you. Yes, it's great to be with you. It's such a beautiful
1: day here, and I'm such a sunshine-driven person. So,
0: On to Dine For. The premise of the program is that we go with the guests to their favorite restaurant, wherever that is in the country. Obviously, because of COVID, we're doing this virtually. But is there a restaurant that you would take me to that really, that you love and speaks to who you are?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, Actually, i so many so many and I, it's a and hard and I, oh i get to be on the road a lot although not last year so you're taking me back over a year ago and I, oh my goodness so many incredible restaurants you know because when you travel a lot and then like all your friends are in food you know, the funny thing is about traveling. Actually, you don't get to eat all the at, at the best restaurants all the time. Most of the time, it's like a kind bar running through the airport. Like yes. that's most of your day. I don't have breakfast. Like, but now and then, you know, you're you're meeting with friends or whatever, and they all know the best places, and so you go, you know, have some beautiful dinner. So all across America, there are just so many places. But I will say that the, it may surprise you. I don't know. The one that I probably miss the most is Trois Familia. Oh, Let's see, what is it called? Yeah, Trois Familia, I think. In like silver lake and it's just mm-hmm. a little hole in the wall but they have this incredible like chicken schnitzel thing Ooh. with like these like rolled cucumbers it's like so light and gorgeous and like pickly things on it oh that and sounds I, amazing like, i just die for it it's also super casual which mm-hmm. is me mm-hmm. but it really high quality I don't know that's the first one that comes to mind
0: no it sounds amazing and i'm sure you can't wait to go back there and eat like we all can't wait to go back into restaurants and really enjoy and and have some wonderful conversations over great meals i'm fascinated by your story of jenny's splendid ice creams how did your journey begin where did it all start it all started
1: a really long time ago uh when i was 21 in 1995 96 I was studying art, working. I had been working in a French pastry company or like a bakery. I was working for like a French family. They were amazing. Uh, and I'd been there since high school. And then I was also kind of had this hobby of perfuming. I was actually thinking I was going to switch to perfuming.
0: Like creating and, perfume? hmm Wow. Yeah, so I had a
1: friend who was Parisian and I'd met him through the bakery, but he was a grad student and he was Parisian and he would come in like every morning and I made friends with him. Julian was his name. And he started bringing me little vials of scent. And I realized the connection between food and scent and that I was really deeply motivated by scent actually. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a weird in, but I was pursuing that and I had been for a couple of years. So I had traveled to conferences talking about scent. I'd studied some of the science between how, how scent can make us feel and how it can be emotional and transportive. I'd read a bunch of books on perfuming and even ancient perfuming and how ancient perfumes work. So I was really thinking about like going to Grasse, France. This was my, my goal. And just like living there and trying to like find some perfumers to like teach me, like be an apprentice. And, uh, and anyway, that was kind of what I was doing. I was also taking lots of art history and any other awesome class at Ohio State. It's a huge university. So they have awesome classes on like vampires and like (laughs) anything you could possibly imagine. So
0: lots of folklore and then doing a lot of drawing classes. That was my, my thing. So you dropped out of Ohio State to pursue this passion for ice cream making. Mm-hmm. How did it go from an understanding that you were really good at identifying scents and smell to then transferring to ice cream making?
1: I had to go to a dinner party one night and I had this idea. I had this Bulgarian rose that I had saved to buy. It was very expensive as it is. It's like $400 an ounce or something back then. And so I dropped a couple of drops into a vanilla bean ice cream, a pint mm. of vanilla bean ice cream, and I mushed it in. And I did the same with my, an oil of cayenne, which actually doesn't have a scent, but it's just a, it's a pure sort of oil from cayenne. So it has heat, just the physical reaction. So I mixed that into a, a chocolate ice cream. And when I took a bite, it was an experiment. I realized in that moment, the power of ice cream to carry scent Mm. And to be, and, and, and all of the things that I knew about ancient perfumers using fats that are solid at room temperature, but melt directly on your body at skin temperature. And my grandmother always telling me not to put the onion next to the butter, Mm. butter fat is known to absorb scent and it melts two degrees below body temperature. So because I had studied all this stuff about perfuming, I understood That sort of melting points and how you can load them with scent. And and it all just kind of came flooding into me in that moment. I was like, all ice cream is about scent cheap vanilla, synthetic vanilla, really good vanilla, peppermint, coffee, strawberry. Strawberry is a water soluble scent, not an oil scent, but nevertheless, it's still about scent. And so you can load up, especially you can load up the butter fat in the, the cream and in the ice cream, freeze it. And as soon as it hits your tongue, it relaxes immediately. All fats are different. And one good way to describe it is when you have like a heavy or a high cocoa butter lipstick or lip lip balm, it doesn't glide. Whereas if you have the right blends, it just glides right on because as soon as it touches your lips, the warmth of your lips is going to melt that first layer. And so, so all fats are very different, but butter fat happens to be perfect. And I understood that in that second of tasting that rose petal ice cream and how it bloomed as it sort of melted and relaxed on my tongue because I had been studying all this stuff. So in that moment, everything changed for me. I knew what I was going to do. I just projected it out into the future. And I thought, this is what ice cream should be about. Not like junk food and candy and all that stuff. That's fine and that's good. But ice cream, should we should really be thinking about how this flavor develops. And it's what you taste on your tongue, but a lot of it's in your nose.
0: So it really was a vision that you had uh, with this rose on this ice cream and realizing that this could be something and, that, and it's something that doesn't exist. So when you have this idea, where do you go from there? Well,
1: and if you're me and your family had fallen apart, you have no safety net, you barely got into Ohio State University, you're on grants to go to school and you really don't have anybody in your life except your friends, you just start asking everybody for help. (laughs) Whose family has money? Who's got money? Who can get a bank loan? I mean, you know, yeah, that that was me. A friend of mine went into business with me and we just opened a little shop in a market. Her parents actually loaned us money. And I mean, it was like $20,000. And we opened in a little shop in the market. I just worked there every day for four years. And then I started learning. Then Mm -hmm. I really started learning because the farmer's market I grew up going to, it's an indoor public market. And now I was a part of it. And the funny thing about these markets is that whenever you're there, they're slammed, they're busy, but we're all, it's like an ice cream shop. We're all there at the same time because we're all going there at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning or five o'clock in the evening. But the other hours during the week, it's pretty calm. And so all the merchants in the market learn from each other, talk to each other, there's gossip going on. It's actually still a vibrant place, but it's, for me, it was a place of learning. And so I spent four years every day in the market and I learned everything I could about seasonality, ingredients, the science of ice cream. I started working at the Ohio State University. They have actually an ice cream department, which I'm just so like, literally it's a bus ride away. It's a 10 minute bus ride away. Uh, from where I was in the market. So I just go spend time up there and learn about milk proteins and all that
0: stuff. And then I could go and learn on the dairies over time as
1: well here in Ohio.
0: And it sounds like your fascination with scents is equal to your fascination with the science behind uh, not only ice cream, but what flavors can do. And so it was your deep fascination with both that allowed you to really become an an ice cream maven. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I didn't start out that way. I like to talk um,
1: sometimes about my journey from art to, to science. I didn't, I was raised to believe that I wasn't good at science and math. Mm. And, you know, I think they still do that to kids today, but I think it's a little bit better now because there's such a focus on STEM and we want everybody to be a little bit good at it or at least have access to it. Yeah. When I was growing up, You were either the literature, art, emotional kind of person. They put a lot of women in that category. Right. Or you were the science and math person. And like, you're just, you're good at that stuff. So don't worry about this stuff. Like just pass, get by. And so when I got into ice cream, I knew what I wanted to do with ice cream. It's a lot. I wanted to go directly to the farms. I realized after I opened how difficult that is and impossible, actually, almost. It took years to do that that I didn't want to use stabilizers, emulsifiers, high fructose corn syrup corn syrup, or whatever. I, I wanted it to be as pure as possible because I noticed that those ingredients are, become a barrier to scent, especially, but flavor. Mm. So all of these things, I had these ideas. To me, it was in service of how do I bring this flavor forward? And so then, yes, you have to learn the science behind it. But my grandmother was an art teacher. Her name was Enid. And I realized too during that time, Enid was actually a scientist first. Mm. She learned first before she ever took on a project. She learned all of the things she needed to learn about it. She did research. And a lot of that would be viscosity of paints. How is she going to make the paint look like this on the canvas or the clay or whatever it was that she was working with? And so she was also a scientist working with viscosities and other things too. It just took me a long time to realize that artists are scientists. We are all using all sides of our brain all the time. And so whole brain thinking is really how we achieve things. You can't just stay on one side if you want to really make anything, create anything.
0: This is fascinating. You really are both sides of the brain as we all are, but you were able to really hone both sides and really it's part of why you're so successful. Um, you took a huge risk by leaving college and establishing and going out and, and going on this crazy dream of creating ice cream. Were you ever afraid that you would fail? We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. Were you ever afraid that you would fail? That's a weird
1: question because I think I, I, I don't think there was ever uh, the consideration of failure. I knew I would make it work. I don't know how I had that trust in myself, but I I had a vision and that was where I was going. Mm -hmm. And so lots of setbacks, but it just was like, just stay on track for that vision. So there was never a moment where I was just paralyzed with fear of failure. It was always like, okay, I'm not there yet. That's okay. And then that said, there must've been some kind of a fear of failure because that's what gets you out of bed. You know, That's what pushes you forward. I must have had some kind of fear that maybe my fear comes from, I wanted this to be my life. And so if, if, if I can't make it work, then I have to go work at a law firm or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't want to do that. So, um, But I never thought about failure, I think, in the way that many other people do.
0: You bring up a great point because it's the the process versus the outcome. You were in love with the process. You were passionate. You were obsessed with the process of creating this unique type of ice cream. And you, you let that sort of pull you versus the outcome of what would be. Would you say that's correct? I think that's mostly true, but also... I had a very clear
1: vision of what I wanted to accomplish. And it would have been a lot easier if I wasn't so clear about that. Right. Or Mm -hmm. if I, if I just was like, let's just make 20th century ice cream, but put 21st century flavors together. Right. That would have been very easy. Like I can go get an artisanal chocolate, which is what a lot of companies do, but just put it in a standard ice cream mix that you can buy from any dairy. So it would have, you know, all of the, the normal sort of stabilizers and all of that in it. That would have been very easy to achieve. But of course I set my standard and my goal way up, way up high. What can we do with body and texture now that we couldn't do in the 20th century? What can ice cream truly be now that we, that it couldn't be before. And so in a way I was set on the outcome, but only at the very, very highest levels. And so it had to be about the process for me and I had to be okay with that because it, I, I I don't think at any time in my trajectory did I think it was going to be fast. maybe faster than it was but not fast. I was never in like a hurry. It, you know you see people launching companies now and it's like you know there's this process of pitch, you know create a deck a pitch you know you get your first round of funding and uh, you know all this stuff or whatever and then you launch and then you know you've got this time where it either success or it fails. Mine wasn't like that. mine was a 26 year
0: journey. Go through a couple of the really unique flavors that make Jenny's so special.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, too, that they don't sound unique now. I mean, in 1996, when I was making salty caramel, people were driving in from everywhere to get it. Jeffrey Steingarten, the famous food writer and Vogue writer, came by in the 90s to have salty caramel. And then he wrote a big piece about salt. Mm. Um, and, and that was really before we were talking about salt in sweets. And the funny thing is it was a mistake I had misinterpreted what a French chef told me that I'd worked for. He was from Brittany and he said, you know, very heavy, heavy accent. He said, Oh, where, where I'm from, the salt, the caramel is salty. And in my translation, it was like salty is more than just salted, right? right? It's salty. Mm. And so I thought it was like Scandinavian licorice, right? The salted licorice, which is very salty. It turns out. I mean, the thing about American caramel is it always has salt in it. American caramel, the way what we think of in America as caramel, is salted and has vanilla in it. Whereas in France, they make a distinction between just a burnt sugar sort of sauce and then the sort of salted caramel. So it wasn't actually, it didn't actually have that extra bit of salt in it. Fascinating. Um, but anyway, that was that, that sort of that, that kind of mistake, misinterpretation ended up putting us on the map. And then of course it was all the flowers and things from the farmer's market, pistachio and sweet basil from the farmer's market, which mm. was just beautiful. And, uh, but a lot of the, a lot of my ideas came directly from the market, whether it was the ingredients themselves or ideas from families that worked there who had stories. How has your mission changed since you first started? I don't know if the mission has changed. It has, like, I think what happened was I spent a long time without a mission, just doing what I do. And then I sat down and asked myself, what is it that I do? And when I looked back, this work probably, it really happened in maybe like 2016. So not that long ago, right? And I looked back and I said, what have I been doing all along? And what is my motivation? And what does this company exist to do? And what are we, you know, because when you're the founder and you're there every day, it's very easy for everybody to just follow you. So I had to sit down and say, what have, what have we been doing? And I think, well, we've been here to make better ice cream, right? The idea is that in the beginning I couldn't get dairy that I wanted to work with. I couldn't, I didn't know how to do the science that I knew I needed to know how, all sorts of problems. But I knew if I just kept going forward, I would get there one day. I'd get the resources. I'd get the knowledge to do it. So make better ice creams. Every day we're going to get better. And that applies to everything we do, not just ice cream. And why? Well, how do people use ice cream? How do people interact with ice cream? Well, I spent eight years working the counter, making the ice creams behind the counter and serving them. So I understand that people come in for ice cream. Because they want to get to know someone else better. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, like me, and, and if there's a few others out there, we'll just go get ice cream and go sit in our car and eat it by ourselves in a private moment. But most <laughs> of us are with someone else, whether it's a date or you're with your grandparents or something like that. And so how can Jenny set the stage for those conversations? And so when I sat down and did that work of like, what is it that we've just always done? that's where we came up with. It's just, that's what I came up with. It's make better ice creams and bring people together. And it's so simple, but we can unpack it forever because that bringing people together also includes how we bring our customers together with our makers and growers. And this idea that we have at Jenny's about fellowship, which is straight from Lord of the Rings. And that's literally like every one of us is so unique, but we bring our whole selves to the table. And then together we make something greater than some of its parts. Oh, I love that. So we can unpack our, our mission for a long time, but in many ways it hasn't changed, you know? But it is
0: flexible, so we can continue to be creative as we go forward. Ice cream is pure joy. It is a treat. It is a break, especially this past year that has been so difficult for so many. Um, Something as simple as ice cream, a simple pleasure of ice cream means so much. What is it like for you personally to be able to give so many people a, a little bit of joy? I think that has been the motivation
1: from the beginning in many ways, when I actually took that rose petal ice cream to the party that I was going to, everyone went nuts. People were sitting at a table. We had just had a big dinner. I brought these ice creams out and all of a sudden people are reaching across the table, shoving ice cream in other people's faces. Like the whole thing became animated. And to this day, that's that's what happens when you bring our ice creams out to the table. Everybody's got to share. Everybody's got a story. There are flavors you like better than other flavors. Sometimes it, it, sometimes you really don't like something and then you really love something, but it evokes this, this emotion. And so I feel like that has been incredible for me. I, I think I discovered who I am when I was 15 through the lens of service. I actually got my first job at an ice cream shop. I was really <laughs> nervous. I was very introverted. And I always knew I'd have an ice cream job in high school. And one happened to open in my neighborhood when I was just turning 15. So I got a work permit and I was the, their first employee. And I went there, I was really nervous. And my mother told me Meryl Streep is really shy. She said, did you know that Meryl Streep is really shy? She's very quiet. And I was like, okay, so I can do this. I can put on a character. What's the best Mm. ice cream server character that I could put on? I went to work that day and I found myself through service and I loved it and I excelled at it. And so for me, it literally is response. It is who I am to my core. It's somebody who creates experiences, but that just exists to like serve others.
0: First of all, I love that because, you know, many times during this interview, you have, it sounds like you could be a chef, right? Because of your love of fresh produce and your love of bringing these ingredients together in an innovative way. So very much, and then you talk of what you just said really speaks to the heart of the hospitality industry, right? And, and really being able to serve people. When you look back at not just creating this business, but scaling it and building it, what has been the most challenging part of it and how have you overcome that?
1: Oh my goodness! There have been so many challenges, and I am a very, very resilient human being. I know that now because I'm 47 years old, and I can look back and be like, "Well, shit." At <laughs> um, the time, you don't know you're going through things, you yes. know. And also, I just had this vision, and I was absolutely marching forward every single day, no matter what. But I did come from some tough times. I wasn't trained to do this. And I think I've really slowed down this year to look back and to help myself heal. I think Mm. from this, because I think one of the hardest things about doing what I've done and there, and this is true of many entrepreneurs, creators, and I think chefs too, I mean, these are hard people who open restaurants, people who are building that sort of career uh, where you have to work so hard. I think I broke myself. I really do. I think that it was like, you know, you're pushing so hard. And then as soon as you become kind of bigger, the pressures of everything kind of just really become too much. And it's really hard. You don't, it's like a pressure. It's like that pressure where you don't know what's happening
0: until you're broken. And do you mean that you just had worked so hard, you'd almost worked yourself to death when you say you were broken? Yeah. The pressure, yeah. what it took and, to create this was just so much.
1: And also I wasn't prepared. I, I think I, I, think I could have maybe avoided some of that. If I'd had a good coach, if I'd had people really on my side, you know, but I'm kind of a, you know, this is the problem with entrepreneurs. We are go our own way kind of people. Yes. So most entrepreneurs that I know are out on islands, you know, mm. we have visions that are impossible that other, you know, it's really, it's just, you know, you're always out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, I picked up this, uh, I picked up Walt Whitman. I'm a po- I am love poetry and I, I, I actually read, I sing the body electric, which is one of his poems about your body and how much your information your body has. And he mm. was sort of at the four, yeah, you know, he really was was very early to understand that, and I just got sucked back into my body, and I realized I need to heal. I had some dragons I needed to face. I needed to find myself, protect that, because it's only going to get worse if I don't, mm. right?
0: And so I did that um, work this year in a huge way, and it's been incredible. It's been really interesting interviewing people on to dine for because they're they're creators, they're dreamers, they're people who've brought things to life through their own imagination, and I I think it's one thing to get inspired. It's another thing to stay inspired for the long haul. I think protecting that dream, that vision, and keeping it so you don't get jaded, so you don't break, is one of the hardest things to do. I would ask you, what do you do now that you've healed? What do you do to stay inspired and to keep that vision at the center of who you are? Well, and
1: the inspiration for me has been, I am always so inspired. I mean, I feel like there's so much we can do in ice cream. And of course, flavors are literally endless in the stories that we can tell and the people that we can serve. So I wake up ready to go and inspired. I think where it, where it becomes a challenge is in power struggles. Mm. It's in how do I remain me, mm. given all of the things that are happening. There's media over there. There's my business partners there. There's motherhood over there. There's all of these things that are pulling. And so for me, I, I just had to get that back into control and figure out what is my core essence? Who am I? What am I here to do? and uh, And man, this year for me, that has been non-Western therapies. It has been literally a shaman from a shaman to an attorney and everyone in between. I brought in people because I needed trust. So the attorney was like, was just like, I just need to know what I need to know about this so that I can trust everybody. And that ended up being great and super healing in a weird way. Mm. Business advisor who's, who's still on my team so that I really understand everything that's going on. And and yes, shaman healers, uh, people who could center me. I'm a meditator. I've been meditating my entire life, but I think I was going into my imagination and did like escape meditation for a couple of years. And now Mm -hmm. I'm back into sort of in the moment meditating. And that's been really helpful. I've been spending a ton of time in the woods, in the forest and connecting with nature. So those kinds of things have been really healing for me. And then I healed through story, just really like telling myself who I am and, uh, and I think that you really do become what you believe about yourself. And so if you believe you're not capable or that you're losing power or control, then you will do that. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I do. I, I, this is fascinating. I, I think that everyone really has is is on their own when it comes to this journey because it's a journey inward. It's a journey to figure out who you are. And it, you, you can have people around you that are friendships and that are support, but it's almost the work you have to do yourself, right? you know a lot of times in in our
1: culture we think i can't and i certainly thought this i can use my All realms of my existence, and I think of four, you know, physical and mental and emotional and spiritual, and they're all really important. You have to have them all in balance to feel, you know, some kind of balance, even if the pendulum's kind of always shifting, but we think I can use all of those things. Like it's a box of Kleenex and the doctors and the therapists will come in and fix me and I can go take medicines and that will solve the symptoms that I'm experiencing. You know, let's say anxiety or anger or grief or whatever it is, depression, but really we need to work downstream from those things. What is actually causing those things? And it's a self journey. And I honestly, I call it self healing, even though I brought in people, I brought in people when I needed them, whether it was a massage therapist or literally somebody to drum over my body, to connect with the Native American cultures that have run, have come through where I live to sit in the forest and connect with those people, human beings that were wiser than me, you know, that kind of stuff to know that I'm a part of something much bigger than me and then come back into myself. But anyway, everybody's going to do it in the way that they're going to do it, whatever helps with them. But to me, it was me taking responsibility for all of that really brought me back together. And actually, honestly, once I committed to it very quickly.
0: Mm. And for some, it could be as simple as a, as a bowl of Jenny's ice cream. I mean, that could be, that could be, that's self-care, baby. That is self-care if I've ever seen it.
1: You know, and I do talk about how ice cream can bring you into the moment, and so Definitely. it is a good exercise. Of, it is, um, you know, it wakes you up when it becomes cold, and then you can, yeah, it totally is. We can do that. I do these tasting videos on my uh, Instagram just for fun, but you know, it is about like maybe ice cream is a really good way to get you into the moment.
0: Yeah, it's it's a sensation. It's a flavor. It's it's something a physical right. construct. It's something that you can completely. Uh, wrap your brain around that moment that bowl and you don't have to think about anything but that pleasure
1: that's exactly right and also if you get it on a cone which i always recommend if you can because the problem with a bowl is that you can put it down and ignore it right mm. you can put it down ignore it but when you have a cone you got to be with it oh that's because good because it's dynamic yes. it's shifting and changing in front of you and you've got to be with it you got to pay so attention
0: it will not be ignored you have to pay attention yes
1: And isn't that a metaphor for life, right? I mean, it's like, if you're not with it, engaged with it right now, it disappears in front of your eyes and you lose it forever. You don't get it back. I love that. I I can go too deep with ice cream, but you know, I mean, I do think of it like, what is the
0: meaning here? Jenny, uh, can you give us the scoop? Are you doing a partnership with Dolly Parton? Yes,
1: Dolly is, uh, our, our Dolly flavor is coming out very soon and I am so over the moon about obviously her, um, but also the flavor that I got to work on with her. How I
0: mean, did that partnership come to be?
1: You want to know? We reached out to her. And that's something that um, like with Tyler, he reached out to us, Tyler, the creator, we did. a We love working with him too, but like he reached out to us because he loves our ice creams, but we were like, who do we want to work with? Let's just reach out. Cause we don't pay for collaborations. Like that's we just don't. I mean, we'll donate to organizations and, and nonprofits and things like that. And that's what we do with it. But so it wasn't like we were out like, you know, with a big budget. Let's start at the top. Who do we bring? Dolly.
0: Yeah. And then she said yes. Wow, because it's fun, it's whimsical. It makes people smile.
1: Yeah. No, it's gonna be strawberry pretzel pie. Oh, so wow. incredible. So it's like a cream cheese ice cream with a fresh strawberry sauce. And then what we we make something called gravel, which is basically like streusel and lots of different flavors. Um, So, we make uh, pretzel gravel. So, it's like ground pretzels and butter, little nuggets that we can put in there. Oh, that sounds amazing! Incredible. It's so good. And it's like when I was growing up, we had strawberry pretzel pie. Or a friend of mine said that she grew up with strawberry pretzel salad, which was like Jello and cream cheese and like buttery pretzels on the bottom. But I grew up with strawberry pie and people would do a pretzel crust and then like a cream cheese whipped cream topping. And I was like, we knew, Dolly said that she, she's like a strawberry person.
0: Ah, and so I was like, gotta, she was we, the inspiration for the strawberry flavor. That's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're almost out of time, but I'd love to just, you know, It's almost like most people I ask for some advice for people who are just starting out in business and entrepreneurship, but, you know, the conversation that we've had has really been a little meandering and in a good way. I'd I'd ask you to kind of share, you know, when you look back at where you were when you started Jenny's to now, what uh, advice, what life lesson would you pass along that you think would be the most meaningful to a young person on their journey?
1: Let's see. I mean, I have so much, but I I think right now I want to go to the people that you surround yourself with are probably the most, the most important decision you can make in your life. And those people should challenge you, but ultimately they should lift you up and support you. And then you can do that back with them. In fact, they won't, you know, you have to, it, it has to be a good relationship that way, whether it's people you work with. That's the great thing about entrepreneurship. You get to choose who those people are, but really, you know, lock it down if you're not being supported by someone, get rid of it, just get rid of it, put a block up because you need that. And I think that that's the key to mental health. Emotional health Mm -hmm. is who you surround yourself with. And they should, you know, I've, I've always loved to be like, have people who are smarter than me, have more integrity than I do or whatever, you know, so I can learn from them as well. But they, but, but really it should be the more support you can get from people, the more you are able to achieve all your dreams and visions and all of that.
0: And finally, do you have a favorite flavor of Jenny's?
1: I do, and you know it changes, but rarely. So for twenty years, it was the lemon, like our lemon uh, buttermilk ice cream, and it's just like tart lemon. It's delicious. It's like a sherbet made with buttermilk, made for us, and it's delicious. And about two years ago, it shifted to brown butter almond brittle, Ooh. which is a flavor that that was inspired by Roald Dahl and the flavor that he grew up with in Norway. When he was a grown up, he actually wrote an essay about this flavor. And I read the essay and made it. But I browned the butter. That was the only difference that I that I did. And um, so it's this, like Norwegian specialty in Norway. It's called Kroken. And I'm told that it's very authentic. I've never been to Norway, but a lot of Norwegian Americans, like we sold out of it in 20 in 2009 when we first made it. And it was all these Norwegians who just went crazy for it. <laughs> but that is now, I mean, I eat this every night, <laughs> every single day, pretty much. We always had two or three pints in this house.
0: Amazing, amazing. I have enjoyed this conversation so much, Jenny. Thank you for your time and best of luck and continued success.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun with you today. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at to Dine for with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired.